Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Welcome to Tuesday Afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. She's back today. She had an extra day off yesterday. She needed all the rest. Hi. Hello, how are you? Welcome back. Had you a nice day? uh, Yesterday, I had a lovely day. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I needed it. You just put me through my paces on on the weekend. I don't get out much. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you're now legendary status in the annals of LMFM socialising. Yeah. Do I want to be there? No. (laughs) (laughs) You are. We just inducted you the weekend. No choice in the matter. You are now inducted in. And it was a great night Friday, wasn't it? It It was was fantastic. Fantastic. And I knew you wanted to say that uh, today. You wouldn't be here yesterday uh, as we uh, reflected on the Imro win. But uh, I did mention your name in passing yesterday, of course, on the show. But we are delighted. We're delighted with it. It was some achievement. It really was. And it was so lovely to, you know get all those messages of mm. just people mm. you know sending congratulations and coming over even on the night and the next night day and everything to yes. say well done and um it, you know sometimes as you do say here sometimes you, you're you're talking as you say Jerry and you think is there anyone listening but from all the messages well there is you understand yes you great. do indeed anyway great to have you back with us today and uh, we're going to begin the show today you know this uh, we'll be talking about this tomorrow with a lovely story because mm. uh, Social media you mentioned there as one of the aspects of people, you know, being in contact. And of course, it's a huge thing in the world today and it, it, it connects us all over yeah. the world. And, and our first guest today really bears that out. You see, she's been a friend of mine. You know the way you have friends on social media and you mightn't hear from them for, for ages, Louise. Mm. This is the way it works. Anyway, out of the blue, about 10 days ago, Mary McGivern sent me a lovely message on Messenger. And... Uh, it just, it really prompted something in my mind to say, i got to talk to Mary. I've never spoken to her. You know, we exchanged on Messenger or whatever. Uh, we did some years ago, nothing for a while. And uh, I got talking to her anyway on social media and found out that she's in Melbourne now. And uh, that's why we haven't really been hearing from her in a while. Uh, she's originally from RD, Mary, and the McGiverns from RD, a well-known family down there. Anyway, look, uh, yeah, it was a little while ago because the time difference, you know, the time difference, it's yeah. very late at night out there now. Uh, a little earlier, a lot a little earlier, uh, I caught up with Mary McGivern in Melbourne and we had a lovely conversation. And she began by telling me about herself and her RD roots. Well, I'm actually from RD in County Lyle, where I was born and reared, yeah, and lived there a long time. I worked in Brian Maldoon's as a chef for 19 years. Right. And, um, really, yeah, I know. Yeah, it's quite a strange story, actually, because, you know, I've always been in RD as a young girl and young woman. And then, um, 
My son uh, went to do nursing in London. I left Bangladesh and went to London. I lived in London for 20 years almost. I um, got my license to run pubs and restaurants over there. And that's what I did. That's really how it all started, all these adventures. While you were working in London, your mum was always living in yes. the RD area and you came back from London. Was it to care for oh, her? Oh, yes. Paul, um, you see, he, he was in the, in London and then he met Monique's wife now and she's Australian. She was over in London doing um, nursing as well, a boat nurses. They fell in love, obviously. And he moved over here to Australia again. That's 20 years ago, almost. I was still in London doing the pubs for a while. And Mam then, um, she was quite old, actually, Jerry, you know. And um, look, I realised that she needed me, really. She was very frail and, and, and lonely more so than anything. I went home to take care of her then. I gave up what I was doing in London. Uh, it wasn't an easy decision because I loved it over there. And went home to wind her in RE. Uh, that would have been, we'll have seen, uh, uh, 2013 when I came home, went home to Ireland. You stayed there with your mum to look yes, after her? Yes, I did, Jerry, yes. Yeah, she was 94 almost when she died. She was quite lucky, actually, ma'am, because she didn't really have many health problems. I mean, her big, her big problem was just old age and inability to to move or anything, you know. So she was bedridden for a good while. I was there minding her. You know, it wasn't an easy one, Jerry. I won't, I won't lie to you. It was difficult and lonely at times. But you know what? Looking back, I'm delighted I did it now because she never wanted to leave home. She always used to say that. She had her senses right up to the very end. I was the only girl in the house. You know, there's four. I've got four brothers, but you know, like she didn't want the brothers. She didn't want the boys to see her going downhill, or you know. So, what was your mum's name? My mum's name was Sarah McGivern, and my dad's name was Noel McGivern. And dad actually died in March of the same year as mum died in July. Uh, dad actually was in. In hall because he he lost his senses, you know, altogether, and he had no clue where he was or anything, and and we couldn't take care of him. So even in there, she and there she was at home with me, you know. So he died first, and she died then in a couple of months afterwards, which was kind of hard, you know. But that's life, isn't it, Jerry? She was. I always say about them both. Dad was 90, almost 91. She was 94. Like, they got a long, good life, you know, and a long, healthy life, which was nice. So that's how that came about. You see, the reason we are talking today, just to tell listeners again, you were an avid listener of LMFM radio when you were back home and you used to oh, listen time. listening to Late Lunch. Big time. I always listened. We always had that radio on in our house as young people. I was always on. We were always listening to LMFM and whatever it was before that. I always loved the country music on it. And I always loved, you know, the, the discussions and listening to what other people could tell you and stories to tell you. I, I learned in the pubs a long time ago, everybody has a very interesting story. 
if you if you just listen to them. It's amazing how what you learn, you know, it really is. What you say there, Mary, is so true. And would you believe it today on LMFM Radio, you are the story, which is fantastic. I want to ask you this. When your mum and dad passed away, you made a big decision. Tell us yes. about that. I mean, obviously, my son was over here in Australia. He has then had two children, my grandchildren, and Olive and Angus. Well, actually, Jerry, even before mum and dad died, we always said that I would come over here to... Maybe, you know, help out for a while. But we didn't really talk about what I would do. But anyway, after mum and dad died, I didn't want to go back to London because I suppose it was kind of over, that part of my life at that point, because I was so long away from it. So um, what we decided was I would come here on a parent visa. You know, there's a new visa now here in Australia where you can get a parent visa, you can stay here for five years or ten years. So I decided to come for the five years and see how I would like it. And so I came. Paul and Monique work five days a week in the nursing. So I do the grandchildren, school, the things that goes with that. And it's great to be able to do it because before I came here, I was getting pictures, you know, of them and maybe the odd video. But, you know, you, you never can really, you know, imagine what it's like unless you're actually with them, you know. So that's been a, an amazing opportunity for me to be able to do, you know, with them. That's how that came about. Melbourne, how long are you there? And is that it now for life, Mary? No, I mean, I'm obviously I'm here three years, Jerry, and that's two more years left than my first visa. I haven't made a decision about being here for life because you don't know how you're going to be when you're a little older. I decided to just take it, you know, as it comes, basically, because remember, these grandchildren are going to be getting into big teenagers and they're going to get, bye, Nana. You know, I'm away. Goodbye. You know, and like, then maybe I might go home. I don't know yet. But at the moment, I'm happy enough to be here. It's amazing, actually, Jerry. You know what? Even though it's Australia and climates are different and heat and everything, I always say to people, every day in every country is the same. People go to work. People go to school. It's, it's actually the same thing. You know, it's just in a different place. Yeah, people say to you, you know, gosh, it must be really strange living in Australia or whatever. I always say that. No, actually, you get up in the morning, you know, Paul and Monique go to work. I go into the kids. We get ready for school. Off we go. You know, you have to do the washing and the ironing. And that's life, isn't it? That's the way it all works, you know. So that's what I say, you know. Like, as far as, plans are concerned in a couple of years or whatever I'll look and see how I am and then I'll decide what I'm going to do next Before we began this conversation you said to me I'm having a grand cup of tea here Jerry, which reminds me to ask you this what do you miss from home and what do you love about Melbourne? What do I miss from home? Well obviously I miss my family 
you know, my immediate family, like my brothers and their family. And I was very close to my nephew and his three girls. I really missed them because when they were little, they used to come to me a lot. And I know they missed me because Cara, she's one of the daughters, she said to me not long, when are you coming home, Mary? So that's kind of a little touchy, you know, kind of you feel that a little bit. But, you know, Jerry, remember I was away for a lot of years in London. So I never really got that attached to anything that I miss except the family. Really, that's it. And what do I love about Melbourne? Okay, so Melbourne is very different to Ireland or or RD, I suppose. It's big, it's a city. Uh, When I went to London, I loved the city. And I love cities. Melbourne is a lovely city, beautiful place. And I also like, obviously, the weather, the outdoors. Everybody eats outdoors, does everything outdoors. And I love being outdoors. And I'm very lucky because I don't burn in the sun or any of that type of thing. So it has lovely, big, big, beautiful cathedrals that I visit a lot. I go to the MCG, that's the big quicker ground, and it's a beautiful area. I went to um, Andy Murray last year playing in the, the Open Tennis. I have a lot of things I can do, which I do. That's probably what I like most about Melbourne, is the variety of things you can do. You describe it beautifully, and you know your reflections on what you miss and what you love are simply wonderful. You know, your story is fabulous, and I just think, RD, London, Melbourne, watch this space for the next chapter for Mary. Yeah, well, this is it. You know, I mean, who knows, Jerry? You know, I, I was kind of, if you like, older when I started out on that journey, because when I had Paula, I reared him in RD, you know, but when he went on to do what he wanted to do, that's really when my adventure started, I suppose. I was quite naive when I first went to London. Even though I was 40, I still was naive, you know, about a lot of things. And I did learn a lot. Yeah, but that's what life is, isn't it? It's about learning every day. It is about learning. And, and it's good to have the opportunity as well to do it in different parts of the world. Just to say to you, Mary, it's been a real pleasure chatting to you today. And, you know, I'm so glad you contacted me on Messenger and sent me that message because otherwise yes. this would never have happened. Yes. It's been just great talking to you. Thank you very much, Jerry, for inviting me on your show. And it's really nice to talk to you too. What a gorgeous woman, I have to say. Oh, isn't she just... Lovely, so heartwarming, so young at heart as well and lovely. And I've got a beautiful message in to say, Hi, Jerry. I'm just listening to your programme. Mary is my sister. It's great to hear her voice. She's so independent and always has been that way. A huge decision to leave, to go to Melbourne. Congratulations to yourself and Louise on your award at the weekend. Such a heart-rendering story. Thanks indeed for that lovely message to the show. If you want to send us a message, 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text gets us. And before I leave, Mary, I have to say a big hello to her grandchildren. Olive is her granddaughter 
and Angus, her grandson. And I'm just looking at a picture here of Angus with the most beautiful medal. He's a great soccer player. He was selected for Melbourne under sevens in the state championships and picked up a wonderful medal. He's a talented lad. Watch this space. Mary, best wishes to you always. Thanks for joining me on the show today. Late Lounge, LMFM Radio, back in a moment. Our own Breeds here just popped her head in a moment ago to tell me that she remembers Mary McGivern well in Muldoon's in RD. She actually worked with her many moons ago and she said she was a brilliant chef, a great worker and a wonderful woman. So Mary, if you're still listening in Australia, Breed sends you her best regards as well. There you go. Isn't it just great, the connections we all have in life? Thought I wouldn't like to be a smoker listening to the news coming from the doll today. Uh, the announcements, the budget happening as we speak. Michael McGrath, Michal McGrath uh, did, has done his piece and Pascal Donoghue now on his feet. 20 smokes up 75 cent to 16.75 for 20. My God almighty, thank God I never smoked in my life and... If you're hooked to them, it's a big problem indeed. And uh, beware, next year, 2024, they're going to introduce a tax on e-cigarettes and vaping. That is on the way. Uh, One-year mortgage tax relief, interest relief, that's to be welcomed, isn't it, by many households. If you have a mortgage of eighty to 500000 on your primary residence, uh, you'll get relief this year up to €1,250. Good to see the VAT staying the same, the reduced rates on gas and electricity, all welcome as well. Uh, winter energy credits, three of them of 150 each, so that's 450 in credits. It'll be a help too, for sure. Good to see the minimum wage increased by €1.40 per hour to 12.70. So it's edging up there all of the time. And, uh, of course, there is a tax on... uh, on petrol and diesel based products and that's going to happen pretty soon to be honest tomorrow I think in in fact it is so uh, 2.5 cent isn't on the litre of diesel and slightly less on the petrol just a little summary there things I've been listening to our news bulletin there picking up from it and keeping an eye on things and we will tomorrow on late lunch open the show as we always do uh, after budget day with Gail McAvoy she's popping in to have a chat with us on the show tomorrow the wonderful Gail McAvoy Now, we move on on Late Lunch, and I'm delighted to say hello to my next guest on the show. He has a story to tell. His name is Patrick Joseph, and he is the man behind a a new thing, or a new, uh, we're going to hear what's new about it, called Breed Thrust and Flow. But it really is based in the Wim Hof Method. Thank you for joining me on the show today, Patrick. Hey there, how are you? Are you well? I'm really good. Thanks uh, for coming on with us today. And uh, it's interesting that you're with us today as well on World Mental Health Day. I want to start by asking you this. Um, I've been reading about you and, you know, what brought you to where you are today. And you say, um, the journey that I've gone on, a journey of discovery, has me seeking discomfort in all areas of my life. Now, someone would say... Seeking discomfort, what do you mean by that? <laughs> well, it's uh, well, the, the sum up really simple it's getting out of your comfort zone. Um, and we all have these little comforts in life that don't make us grow. And the only way you can grow is when you're, you're in discomfort. And that could be anything, really. It could be getting up uh, an hour earlier in the morning, it could be eating healthier, it could be um, walking to work or cycling to work rather than driving to work. Um, for me, it's uh, it's really about the, the spiritual aspect of it. That would be a big, massive part of my growth. But 
where it all stems from and boils down to is the Wim Hof method. And that was the discomfort I had to experience through that was the cold therapy and the breath work itself. And the discomfort comes on a physical level, an emotional level, um, a mental level and a spiritual level. And what the end result is you're just simply growing from that space. We associate ourselves so easily when we hear the word discomfort with uh, pain, uh, resistance, and the basically the negative side of things. Where I look at it as a positive because it's only going to bring good things. You just have to uh, accept what is that's not saving you and let them go, which can be very, very hard for people. I uh, can just envisage that coldness surrounding you and think of uh, no gain without pain. But look, come back before 2018 when you discovered Wim Hof. 2017, what were you like then? What kind of a person were you? Why did you feel that you had to find something else in your life? Well, for me at that time, 2017, uh, I went through, how should I call it, where my perception of my life, how I was and how I was going about things all sort of collapsed. You ever heard of the, the whole saying, the walls came falling down? Well, that basically happened with me in 2017. Um, you can find this, it's a very personal story to me, but I have got them up on podcasts and you can, you can hear about them on deeper level. But basically, uh, the, the ego self, the identity that I had uh, collapsed and I had to refine myself through, um, basically through... Uh, walking with uh, the, the spiritual side of things, holistic side of things, the mental side of things. I had to be very rigorously honest with myself that how my life was wasn't serving me. And in 2017, it certainly wasn't serving me. I was out every weekend. I was avoiding um, I was avoiding lots of things in my life at that time where uh, uh, it was easier to go out on a weekend rather than actually sit with what I had to deal with. And um, the outcome of that was to go through 2017 blindly uh, unconsciously to then in 2018 slash 2019 I started to to invite myself into these spaces that were very uncomfortable um, but how I felt after it was the was the bigger picture for me that if I keep coming coming to these spaces um, whether that's the sea swimming uh, breath walk uh, meditation yoga um, even just uh, forest bathing um, going out on simple walks barefoot like all these types of things were um, giving me a positive feeling within myself but I started to look within rather than look without, or look looking without outside of myself for approval or um, uh, acceptance. It really started to come from within me, and that after 2017, like the end of who I previously was, let's say, um, the 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 let's say the doors opened to a whole new awareness of self, and what came through was um, was happiness, uh, love, joyfulness, uh, new friendships, uh, forgiveness. Um, joy just to be able to, to to acknowledge that I can wake up every morning and not have anxiety or depression or a feeling of loss and just a, lots of gratitude came in and that that would really stemmed from um, 2018 to 2019 and that's when I've literally taken off on this journey that I'm on right now and it's um it's it's always beginning it's it's never the end of anything it's always just beginning and it's brought me into some really discomforting places but with a positive outcome, not a not a regret or not a not a feeling of I'm lost with all of this. It really came with a, a discomfort that I had to face, and the positives from that is sort of like if you if you knew me uh, as a person before that, you'd understand what I'm talking about on a much mm. deeper level. Um, but on a on a surface level, um, 
it's it's just very easy to live this way, and when you when you when you bring yourself into these spaces of discomfort, mm. you you mentioned you mentioned deeper there, and I think in a way were you shallow? Were you a shallow person in in one sense, you know, and that and using as you said out every weekend? I take it you were drinking or socialising and doing other things that was masking, or uh, you were trying to escape from what you really hadn't the ability at that stage to face up to. Is 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 that? Fair assessment. Yeah, you could definitely say that. Um, you could definitely say that the life that I was living was on someone else's terms. It mm. was true. Yeah, so when we're born, like we have a perception put on us through our mother and father, society, skill, religion, politics. It's all put on us. None of it comes from us. And we just grow up into a person that we may not be. It just so happened that I had to go through a crossroad section in my life in 2017 that actually obliterated the whole lot of it. <laughs> and then I had to pick myself back up. But everything that I picked up was from me and not from anybody else. And it was through seeking discomfort that uh, it all came about. And even now where I am in my own life, I'm still seeking it. No matter how much I think I know about myself, I'm always aware that it could just take a, 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 an old bump in the road to reset everything again. But the, the difference being back in 2017, I couldn't accept that. Now, any bump in the road, I fully accept. So... So you can cope, you can cope. And in a way, we're talking on World Mental Health Awareness Day. It was a mental health issue for you too. You were you were in a difficult space. 100%. Um, the, I, I never experienced anxiety until 2017. I never knew what it was. And then I realised that from anxiety, intrusive thoughts started to come in. And you, you have these visions of yourself doing things that you wouldn't be normally thinking of and then even to be in a room full of people that you love you just feel like you're not wanted or you don't feel like you should be there and then excelling in your life within your job in a relationship with family and friends you just don't feel you have to up and go and the how should I say the drive to do it um, and that's the headspace you can be in and I noticed that simply from experiencing anxiety which I didn't know what, what I was at the start um, and then it just escalated and kept escalating until eventually I had to face what I had to face and from there I don't actually experience anxiety anymore. But what I do get is a feeling of something that I need to address uh, rather than suppressing it and letting it boil up and come out in a different form, which wouldn't save me. Um, so definitely on mental health day, it's 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 making awareness of that and being humble to the fact that no matter how much you think you know, no matter how much work you do within the holistic space on mental health, you're always, uh, you always have to face something uh, along the way. And it's about preparing yourself for that. And through the work that I do, that's, basically where I'm able to do it. I'm able to do it because of the work that I do every day. Um, this is my life now. This is what I do. So you've changed uh, your life completely. You're following this path. You're involved in it. And you're now helping others. You went through the Wim Hof um, family and got the various qualifications. Tell me about that out-of-body experience you had in 2020. Why is that significant or was it? Yes, uh, the out-of-body experience that I've I've had a few of them, by the way, um, but the first one I had, and I never meditated before in my life, and when I sat with the Wim Hof Method, I realised that I was doing it wrong, and I was asking people about it who was tapping into it as a little hobby or whatever, and they showed me which way to do it. I was like, grand, I'm going to do it that way. So up to that point, I was doing it wrong, but when I actually sat with it and did it correctly, again, I never meditated before in my life. I never knew what it was like to disconnect from the physical body. And then I did two rounds of Wim Hof Method, and... The only way I can explain it analytically was the fact that I felt like I was floating. And when all this was kicking off, I was just aware that I was floating. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is nice. This is a good feeling. I've never experienced this before. And 
the feeling that I had is that me, me clothes were getting pulled away from my body. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to put my hand, because I was lying on my bed at the time, I guess, I'm just going to put my hands on my bed and feel the bed underneath me. And I tried to do that, and I couldn't feel my bed. Um, and then I got a fright in my life, because I didn't realise what was happening. I genuinely thought I was floating. I couldn't feel my body. I had that out-of-body experience to where I just didn't know what was happening. And then from there, um, I got a fright in my life. I jumped up off the bed. I didn't know what was happening. But I set off a spark. I set off a light bulb moment that, like, there's something more deeper with this, and I'm going to just go all in with it. And that was, in two, that was really in 2019. But in 2020, that's when I went professionally into um, the Wim Hof Method, when I went to the academy, mm. and I qualified as a Wim Hof doctor through that. But that body experience happens a lot through it with this work. Amazing just to hear you describe it as somebody that experienced it. <clears throat> now, what is breed, trust and flow? What you're up to now? Explain that, please. So when it comes to, so again, when you're, when you're coming into these whole new spaces of self, these ideas and feelings come up within you without actually asking anybody or reading a book. And the whole idea of breed, trust, flow, it, for me, everything starts with the breath. And if we allow ourselves to tap into the breath, an awareness will come up from us, from within us. The breath is the purest source. Like it's number one. Nothing comes before or after. It's the breath that gives you life, you know? So we have, everybody goes on about what food they should be eating. Everybody goes on about the type of water and what you have to have filters and where it comes from. Everybody goes on about the food and the water, but nobody generally puts that emphasis on the how they breathe. And the breath for me is number one. I can guarantee anybody that if you consciously breathe correctly or go into methods of breath work like the Wim Hof method, you will be aware enough to know the water that you're drinking and the fuel that you're drinking may not be serving you and you'll automatically change it. So when it comes to breathe through flow, the breath is the first thing. And through the breath, you'll get trust. You'll get trust for yourself. you get trust for maybe someone holding that space for you. you get trust for other people. And then from the trust comes flow. Flow is basically another way of um, doing things without any barriers, limits or objections. You just do them. So through the breath, you come into trust, through trust, you come into flow. And you're just on that path then of just creating your own reality. And since then, I've been doing that. And this is where it leads, it all leads up to how you can be, you can be an example for many others just by trusting yourself through your own breath and creating. Because I started from humble beginnings. Like I had no background in this at all. As I said, I never meditated before in my life. And then all of a sudden, I'm able to just create these things from trusting myself, by going into the breath, by getting a feeling, not a talk, but a feeling that I'm doing the right thing. And from there, then you start implementing it into reality, into the physical. Hence why you have the Moonstock Festival that's coming up. Well, this is just one way to explain the breathe, trust, flow. Everything begins with the breath. You go into a trust and then you're into a flow. It it makes sense when you <clears throat> take time to think about it and study it. And I, I'm sure if you become involved in it, you really will appreciate what it can do. It's turned your life around you're a real enthusiast for it and you're making strides every day. You mentioned you mentioned the Moonstock Festival. Just before we finish, tell our listeners how they can find out more about you, listen to those uh, wonderful videos you have up and the Moonstock details. Where do they get that information, Patrick? So you can get it on my website, um, breedtrustflow.ie or you can go onto Instagram and you can find me there with breedtrustflow. Um, and breed with an E. Everybody forgets the E. Yeah. But... Um, yeah, um, but when it comes to the Moonstock, this all the Moonstock Festival is on the 29th of October of this month, and it started again, humble beginnings by inviting people down to the beach in Port Marnock and me just standing there guiding people through the breath. And from that, it has escalated, and that was in March 2021. Every month, for every single full moon, I've been doing it. 
And it was always a vision of mine from the very start that it was going to be, it was going to end up being a festival. And the festival, this is the force of many festivals that, that I'm going to be doing with the Moonstock. But the bigger vision of it all is a Moonstock festival in the four, four provinces of Ireland, north, east, south and west. Um, but it has to start somewhere. Uh, for me, it started in March 2021. The vision of it is the bigger picture of all over Ireland. But on, Mar- on October 29th, is going to be the actual Moonstock Festival, the very first one. And um, people can find the tickets to that through my website, or they can go on to Eventbrite and just search Moonstock Festival. Um, we have a whole range of holistic facilitators, um, from bread walk to yoga steaming to yoga to meditation. We also have amazing speakers at it who are, um, I wouldn't say masters, but they are students well-equipped of their field and what they teach. Wonderful. Really looking forward, I'm sure, those who are booked already to it and those who are going to come to it for sure between now and then. Breed, with the E, breathetrustflow.ie or if you want to uh, Patrick Joseph's website himself, you'll get all the details there. Fascinating you are. Thank you for joining us on this special day. Thank you so much. Much appreciated. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Patrick Joseph there. So interesting. A man who's turned his life around. Late Lunch, LMFM Radio. Up next, it's brand new Two on Tuesday. It's time for our Two on Tuesday. Two on Tuesday. Playing the songs that just never quite made it to number one. But we were so close. I'm to be number one. We were so close. Two on Tuesday. Our Two on Tuesday today was written in 1986 by David Freeman and Joseph Hughes. Very ordinary type names, weren't they? Uh, Yes, they wrote it in June 1986 and released it at the same time. And it really didn't do much until 1995 when Annie Lennox picked the song up and she adjusted it a little bit. The lyrics, she changed the lyrics slightly and it became the lead single from her second studio album called Medusa. Released it early 1995 and it was a big hit across Europe. Did well in America, just tipped the top 20 over there but made it to number two in the UK singles charts where it stayed for two weeks but just missed out on number one. Our two on Tuesday, this Tuesday, is Annie Lennox and a lovely one, no more I love yous. to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. 
Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. So you've got an idea for a business, the store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out, everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Annie Lennox and No More I Love You's are two on Tuesday on your late lunch this Tuesday afternoon. Lovely song. I, I would have seen it as a number one myself, but there you go. Those buying the records or the CDs or whatever at the time didn't. So what prevented Annie making it to number one? Well, this woman's star was in the ascendancy at that time. God love her. She's not too good at the moment, but what a voice. What a singer. Yes, the number one that kept Annie off top spot. It's Miss Celine Dion and Think Twice. prevented Annie making it to the top of the charts. Well, I know where my my preference lies on this one today. Miss Louise Walsh, what do you think? <laughs> Annie or Celine? Go on. Never have a disco in your house, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can tell you one thing. I remember a few discos and Celine playing that one. Celine Dion for me. Celine Dion all the way for me. Yeah. 
I had to pick one, it'd be Celine Dion. Ah, yeah, yeah, it was fabulous, number one. Absolutely fabulous. Sorry, Annie. Uh, number two was the best you'd even get from us at late lunch here today. Anyway, that's a two no on more Tuesday. I love twos. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. She should bring it out again. No more I love no, twos. No, please don't. It'd probably go to number one <laughs> this time. Anyway, we'll bring another one next Tuesday at this time. Up next on the show, we have a dyslexia specialist joining us. Anne-Marie Beggs is with us next. I mentioned some of the main points of the budget a little earlier on there. Listen on to say, Jerry, people addicted to smoking will smoke to the detriment of food. It would suit them better to allow anti-smoking products on drug payment scheme for people who pay for everything. They're allowed on the medical card, but people who pay 80 euros monthly for drugs have to buy them separately and they're not cheap. Good point. Well made. Thank you indeed. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text if you want to say something to us on the show today. Now, we've been uh, telling you that October and today, especially in October, is Mental Health Awareness Day. But in this month, there's also a focus on dyslexia and neurodiversity. And with this in mind, I'm delighted to say hello to my next guest. She's been 18 years working in the field of dyslexia and she joins me now. Anne-Marie Beggs, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Jerry. Delighted to be on your show. I'm great, uh, grateful that you've joined me today. Uh, tell our listeners, what, what brought you to dyslexia? It was your son, was it? Yeah, it was my son, yeah, who's, who's now 29. Um, when he started school, very shortly after he started school, I could tell that he wasn't very happy and he wasn't flourishing, as I'd say. And because he had an older sister and I could immediately see that there was a difference in one, the way he was learning and I suppose his general demeanour and happiness in school. Because prior to that, he had been um, a very bright, bubbly little kid. He made lots of jigsaws with thousands of pieces. So he sent, sent him off with the expectation that he was going to be like a little genius. Um, and what I found was a very unhappy child who wasn't enjoying education very much and that's I suppose what got me on the journey to um, discovering dyslexia Uh, so he was only five at that time but I was certain at the time that he was dyslexic and I had a private assessment done and they said he was too young and they they said his English uh, abilities were a little bit low his max abilities were very high and and so my solution at the time was to change school. We sent him to a private school. He did a lot better there, kind of a different approach. He was allowed to climb trees and run around like a mad thing. And he did very well, but the dyslexia was still running in the background. And then, I suppose, when he was eight and I had another private diagnosis done, which is the age they will give you a diagnosis, they said, um, yeah, your son's dyslexic. And I said, well, I've known that since he was five. Um, but what was shocking, Jerry, was that after those three years in school, his maths had dropped down. So he'd actually become worse at maths after three years of education, which is not an ideal situation, as you can imagine. Not at all. It's uh, it, it, it's shocking to, to reflect on that. And I could tell you a story about a fella I know who went right through to six months before his leaving cert before it was picked up. Now, believe it or not, that is uh, just hard to believe. But I want to ask That's, you that, being yeah. being an expert in the field now, 18 years, and with the, the age of your son now, will it be picked up now? Um, possibly, maybe, maybe not. We have um, a lot of uh, very long waiting lists. 
um, and unless people can aff- afford to avail of the services of um, a private psychologist because it's restricted to psychologists um, doing the assessments even though a lot of teachers and parents will know themselves if their child's not happy that obviously the, the way the education system is structured is not suiting them. My husband was 35 and he was diagnosed with dyslexia so he went a long time mm. all the way to Trinity College. Wow. Um, but yeah, I, I've had students in their 20s who particularly girls seem to cope with it better. Mm. Um, they hide it better, better at masking it. And, and they'll, you know, work their asses off and get through schools where the boys will, I suppose, just sometimes they're labelled as troublemakers. Other times they're very quiet. So what appears to be just a badly behaved child is just maybe a child who is um, not enjoying the, the school environment because it just doesn't suit them. So their dyslexia could be just hidden behind, you know, bad behaviour yeah. or on the opposite side, sometimes kids are just very, very quiet. You know, they fly below the radar. They do enough work to keep going. So it's a bit of a lottery is, is what I would say, Jerry. whether you get the... And the resources aren't great anyway. Yeah, but, but, but what we're getting from what you're saying to me uh, today, Anne-Marie, is that if you spot those things in your child that you believe your child should be doing better, if you see the quietness or you see the disruptiveness or the unhappiness at school... This is something worth investigating. Absolutely. Parents have to advocate for their children. And I think, you know, not only is it their responsibility, but they they know their children best. So, Mm. I mean, frequently parents will go into school and the teacher will paint a completely different, you know, portrait of your child. But you do know your child best. Uh, And I would say go with your gut instinct. Uh, But not all kids have, you know, people in their life who can do that for them either. So then they are at an even bigger disadvantage. Yeah, yeah. I I think it's something that, uh, as you say, even all these years later, from your own perspective and being uh, so experienced in this field, when you say that, it makes me sit up and listen. I'm sure it does many people listening to us today. The other thing we found as well that... From a personal experience, when it is diagnosed, um, you know, and allowances for state exams, and then you mentioned your husband into Trinity onto third level as well, it was some battle to get support and help there. Well, um, I know my sister has recently gone back to college and to DCU, and she finds the support in DCU excellent. And far better than what's available in the primary or secondary school system. Okay. Yeah, in those systems, parents are still battling. Mm. And they're getting like maybe two half-hour sessions a week with a few other kids in the classroom. It's not tailor-made to their particular child. It's, you know, one size fits all. And within, you know, a spectrum of kids with dyslexia, dyspraxia, dyscalculia, they're all different. You know, they all have different little areas of strengths and weaknesses. Mm sitting them down at a table and going, okay, we're going to do this computer program, that really doesn't, it's not making any meaningful impact on their education. You know, I don't feel. Uh, Yeah. Your son, uh, you mentioned your husband, he's obviously travelled on through life very well. What about your son? How how has the outcome been for him? Uh, Very good. Um, He currently works for a company called Seahorse Aquarium. So during the lockdown, um, he decided to um, start rearing fish, 
We've now currently, Jerry, got what I call a zoo. <laughs> the biggest fish, biggest catfish, <laughs> biggest catfish in Ireland. He has a number of other fish, which I, I don't know the names of. He has guppies and kois and um, a whole load of... But, so in the pond during COVID, he built... Or in the garden during COVID, he built a three-level pond. He um, did all the research into the, you know, circulation system mm. of the water and the right things to plant. He's also on... The, rescues turtles so he has eight turtles in a, another pond which is two layers and multiple other aquatic lights in, in another room but he taught himself all that so he did very well in the leaving cert um, despite a teacher telling me in primary school that he would only do be able for the leaving cert applied um, I, you know I'm not a, a person who just takes what someone tells me you know I, oh, I, I when I hear <laughs> that I, I I have experienced that as well when I hear that and to prove them wrong and shove it down their throats is just <laughs> fantastic and, and that anybody in charge of children or with responsibility for children in education would ever say that to a child is wrong it is I know and, and the funny thing is when he was doing the leading first um I was speaking to the principal and he said to me, um, you know, he should drop down to all past subjects because, um, you know, I don't think he's going to do well. And I said to him, you know, when you're dyslexic, the words, because he's doing physics, the, the, the words in physics are the same, whether it's on a past paper or an honest paper. It's not the difficulty of the uh, question that poses the problems, it's the words involved. And mm-hmm. afterwards, when he saw the results, he actually came over and um, apologized and said, you know, when I saw the results come in, I I said to myself, gosh, Anne-Marie was right. Um, you know, schools need to pay more attention to parents and because parents do know their kids best and other people who are helping the children. Because there's a lot of tutors and people around the country who, you know, they know the kids better than, than the school teacher because they're sitting there on a one-to-one basis with the child. Yes. So they can see what's really going on, mm. you know. Uh, will you stay there for a moment for me because I sure. want to get on to another subject which I need to take a short break here stay with no me problem. I'm very interested in what you have to say and after the break I want to talk to you about it is Mental Health Awareness Day I want to talk to you about something in that specific area Anne-Marie I want to turn something back on you and I'd like you to talk for a sure. few minutes to me uh, about this you say that there's a mental health crisis among our teenagers really? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that uh, COVID didn't help us, but I think it was al- already there. Um, for example, my son has a, a tattoo on each leg of angel wings from two of his friends that he lost to suicide. Um, two girls, ladies, I should say, who went to school with me, their sons both committed suicide recently, and a good friend of ours, um, her son committed suicide too when he was 20, but in the past few months, I've had um, mostly teenage boys, I have to say, who are very I suppose, disillusioned. Um, they're not happy in schools. They're not happy in the environment of the education system. They, they, they don't feel supported. Um, I think from COVID, they realised they could educate themselves, which has become a problem for the teachers because the kids are sitting there going, well, I could do all this at home in two hours. Why do I need to sit here for a week? Um, and unfortunately, teachers don't always have answers to questions because teenagers uh, like to question. I suppose that's their job in yes. life is to push the boundaries, isn't it? Yeah. Um, well, I suppose teenagers are teachers aren't equipped. I don't think to answer effectively 
the questions that the teenagers of today have. So whether they be dyslexic or not, or ADHD or autistic or any other of the labels that, that um, I'm not a fan of labels, quite honest. Um, I think that all teenagers are just teenagers and um, should be treated accordingly. But I don't think teachers have been trained in how to approach the teenagers of today. And so if teenagers have no answers and they're sitting in an environment all day where they don't feel that it's valuable to them, um, they're very frustrated. Um, and the mental issues don't even, aren't, are going down to a lower kids now. So there's a high number of children now from 10 upwards who have eating disorders. Um, so, I, you know, it, it's not improving. It's, it's definitely getting worse. But, but do you know what I'm trying to get to? What yeah. really is underpinning this? Because we live in a time, no matter what anyone thinks, and I know the budget's going on today and everyone's looking for their share and nobody is yeah. anything and we're all broke and you know the story. But uh, at the end of the day, we live in a time when, you know, I, I think back to when I grew up, we had very little. And we yeah. had, you know, we appreciated what we had. This, everything now nearly for young people it's laid on for them they don't have to do much at home they don't have to work well, I, to bring I, in money you know, you know all that type of stuff true. you know <laughs> yeah yeah. I mean I think they call it snowball parenting someone else yeah so, so why, yeah. why, why what, um, what's I underpinning this so, I think maybe like a lack of responsibility is, is one of the things like you said I mean when I was growing up I, I had a great childhood but I grew up in Malahide and you know, we spent hours out on the street so my mother could never find me. Um, but and but we'd like help with washing up and stuff like that, um, which I used to get my kids to do when they're younger. And then you get older, I don't know. I suppose kids now are, are more what we might call spoiled. I think that's only one part of the equation. I think another part is that, um, like I said earlier, the education system hasn't moved with the time, so it's irrelevant to most of them. And so they spend vast amount of their days very frustrated. And then the rest of the time they're at home, maybe on a mobile phone, because both parents might be working. You know, they're exposed to. Yes. In the old days, they left the classroom behind. So if you didn't see, if you didn't like the teacher, you didn't like somebody in your class, they couldn't get you once you left that environment. Whereas now people have access to kids. Because a lot of kids have phones very young now, 24 hours a day. Um, I don't think kids eat as well as they used to either um, because a lot of the time there was moms at home, you know, making the traditional Irish dinners. Um, I think it's it's more than one thing. I think yeah. it's a lack of communication with other people. Well, in you know, face-to-face interaction with people. There's a lot of kids doing sports, but sports now is very, very competitive no matter what sport you choose, uh, which doesn't suit every child. Mm. Uh they're not eating well. A lot of them aren't sleeping well. So I think it, it's not just one thing. Yes, it's, it's a, a combination. Spectrum. And I'm glad you yeah, brought yeah. up all those. And I, I accept, I lived in different times. It was simpler and there was a lack of connectivity. But you had to be resourceful. You had to work. You had to do your bit. And you didn't have... And you come back to this. And I mentioned it here on the show when it, it emerged and has emerged fully since. That mobile phones and online, this online world, was going to become the next pandemic you know you talk about smoking yeah. alcohol drugs this is now up there with that oh yeah definitely i mean some of my children have been you know on the receiving end of 
horrific bullying through because of mobile phones. But but it's a habit. Like you stop using it for a while, and then someone says, "Oh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, join this group or something." I mean, I'm guilty of it myself. You know, mm-hmm. I, I use it to to network with with different yes. people. Um, but so. You got you got to be able to leave. Yeah, you got to be able to leave it down, Anne Marie, and you got to understand that you got to make the distinction between it and the real world and real world issues. And I think they are the big challenges that face us in the years to come. Now, look at we're going to run out of time. You're fantastic. I could talk to you all afternoon, to be honest with you. (laughs) you. But I just want to mention this four pillars of education on the 25th of October in the Grand Hotel in Malahide. You're bringing together people from the world of sport, health, and nutrition. Some of the subject you touched on there for a panel discussion who is this for is this for parents so this is for everybody everybody it's for students teachers parents uh professionals because like everybody you know is exposed because some the speakers we have are like you said some of them are in sports nutrition uh we have speakers on autism dyslexia dyscalculia dyspraxia Everybody encounters people with all those different abilities on a daily basis. And wouldn't we all get on much better if we all knew each other better and understood each other better? Yes. Now, how Um, do people book a place quickly? We have 30 seconds. Okay. So, the four pillars of education.ie. Right. Log on there. It's a long, big mouth. It is. It is. (laughs) But I'll say it again. The four pillars of education.ie. 25th of October. This wonderful woman, Anne-Marie Beggs, bringing together all these people, addressing a lot of the issues that we talked about on Late Lunch today. I like what you do. Keep trucking. Thank you. Thanks. Are we virtual and in-person tickets? Lovely. Great stuff, Anne-Marie. Great to talk to you today. Take care of yourself. Bye. That's Anne-Marie Beggs there. A wonderful, wonderful lady. Irene, your door is absolutely gorgeous. Louise Walsh loves it. Don't you, Louise? You love that door. In fact, she's been forensically examining Irene, your door. <laughs> Since you said you have, haven't you? Since I have, yeah, I've been looking at its durability. It's gorgeous it's colour, though. It's it's it really colour. is. Yeah. What the it matches? It matches. You it, see the little thing the, on our roof. It does, and 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 with the brick and everything, it's lovely there. And you mm. know, Irene, they, they probably think we've lost the plot here on late lunch. You see, Irene won a competition here. Uh, on the show from Senator Windows for a new front door uh, and she got two grand towards the door and she's honest herself isn't she? She said Senator were very patient with me. She couldn't decide on that. Irene must be very picky you know what I mean but we understand that it has to be right it's your front door it's a big Mm. entrance into your home Uh, uh, she was indecisive she says at times uh, especially over the glass but they were very good and very quick and clean when they came to install the door I love my new front door says Irene Irene, mind that door. We love it too. If you see a white Volkswagen circling around your house some evening, our Louise <laughs> is in the vicinity. Show us your doors. <laughs> <laughs> only joking, only joking, only joking. We love it. And thanks. It's great. Isn't it lovely when somebody comes back yeah. and says thank you and shows you, they're you delighted know, with uh, the prize. Yes, th- their prize and what they want. Well done, Irene. Health to wear. And thank you so much for getting in touch with us on the show. Let's do the countdown. Five, four, three, two, one. Counting down the top five songs from this week of yesteryear. And today it's... The number four from this very week in 1979. And at the time, this was one huge song for the man in question. Yes, it came from the album Off The Wall. Do you know who I'm talking about? 
It's Mr. Michael Jackson and Don't Stop for this week, 1979, October. Michael Jackson, our number four from this week in 1979. Don't stop till you get enough on your late lunch this afternoon. Big number one for Jackson in America. Didn't quite make it this side of the water with a number three in the UK, being its best place position on the chart. That's your four from this week in 79. Three tomorrow, two on Thursday. And the big number one on Friday coming your way on late launch. And M1 Drogheda Chamber Skillnet have announced two industry-leading boot camps focused on IT security and Amazon Web Services. They begin in November and December, respectively. And I'm joined on the show now by Joe Lynch, who's manager of M1 Drogheda Chamber Skillnet, and Ronan Harbison, executive director of Generation Ireland. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. How are you, Jerry? I'm Love good. The show. Thank you very much for joining me. You might uh, begin, please, uh, Joe, by telling us uh, what this is about. What is the significance of these two boot camps? Well, the Drogheda Skinnet was set up about seven or eight years ago, and uh, we uh, decided at that point that there were definite needs within the northeast northeast area um, for a, a, a range of skills that needed to be there for industry and for businesses. Um, and one of the things that we um, decided on last year was that we needed to have a program that addressed um, youth unemployment and uh, youth uh, uh, underemployment. And uh, with that, we, we made an application to uh, Skillnet Ireland uh, through the National Training Fund and the Department of Education and Skills. Uh, and we were lucky enough to secure um, a fairly significant uh, tranche of money. Uh, and that's what we did. And we, we engaged then with our, our partners there in Generation Ireland uh, to uh, get a programme up and running that would address those needs. Well done. And uh, it's addressing in particular youth, is it, Joe? It is 18 plus, um, so uh, obviously people who are, uh, have to be over 18 to, to join the courses themselves, but they are a significant um, uh, boost to the northeast. And they, uh, for, for people who might have dropped out of school, might have uh, have some other uh, deprivation in their lives, there it, it is one of those things that um, keeps people away from from education, and it keeps people away from. Uh, significantly uh, um, better jobs uh, and high-paying jobs. So it, it, it addresses quite a need there for, for the individuals themselves, but also for the industry around the area. And, you know, the, you know a lot of, of um, uh, tech industries are crying out for, for young people to come into it. And uh, for us to be able to do this in the northeast is significant. And are you saying that uh, for anyone listening today, you, you must be out of work to apply for this? Over 18, out of work, or if you're working somewhere at the minute, is that possible? Uh, yeah, underemployed. I mean, if, 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 you, if you're below 20 hours in a week um, in relation to unemployment there, um, you can probably uh, apply to the course itself. Uh, so, you know, it, 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 uh, to be frank, I, I dropped out of school when I was 15 and I went back to education at a much later stage. And uh, this, is, this is a great opportunity for people that 
to take up an opportunity like that uh, as well, that they can get back into education and uh, and then uh, see, uh, reap the rewards at a later stage then, you know, because the, the jobs themselves that come out of these uh, are, you know, uh, decent paying jobs. Yeah. Yeah, the good, good, uh, good jobs, good career prospects. Let's bring Ronan Harbison from uh, Generation Ireland, the executive director there, into the conversation. Ronan, thank you for joining me on the show today. Um, this program for the Northeast, uh, what's involved time-wise? What commitment is this? T- will this take? How long will it run for? Uh, thanks very much indeed. Just before I start, Jerry, if I can just say first of all, you know, we are absolutely delighted to to be able to uh, partner with Joe and M and one Drawder Chamber Skillnet to support upskilling and job creation in the Northeast region. It's, it's absolutely brilliant. So, um, in terms of you know what's involved, uh, we can speak about the the you know how to apply in a moment. But uh, you know the the, the program is um, uh, is ten to twelve weeks long. It's nine to five. It's five day a week, and it's online, Jerry. That's really, really important. It's known as an upskilling boot camp. Yeah. Uh, and uh, as Joe said, it's across the country net technology, uh, and we also do green jobs uh, as it happens as well. But we're really focusing on IT support and cyber and AWS uh, cloud. Um, so, in terms of, I may just, Jerry, if, if you allow me, just talk a little bit about the application process. Yes. You talked a little bit about the age. So um, for, for, you know, your listeners, um, uh, you know, hearing us today, they can apply via our, our, our website, which is Ireland.Generation.org. And there they can explore the programs currently on offer. Uh, and once they've selected the program, they can then apply via the online application form, which will guide them through the process. And, uh, you know, Joe is right. Eligibility is 18, 18 plus. Now, you do have to be a resident in Ireland um, and, and have the right to work in Ireland. That's, that's absolutely crucial, Gary. Um, and I mean, be available for the full, uh, you know, duration of the program, um, and ready to start work after the program. And just to give you an idea, so there's essentially months. There's the three months of the program, the ten to twelve weeks, and then there's six months after that is where we, you know, we place you into jobs or we support you, play, you, you placing you into your own job. Um, uh, so that's essentially where it's, uh, you know, you know how it how it works. That's interesting. Uh, all you tell me there's, and I want to just build on that by asking you: Do you need a level of skill in the IT area before you uh, apply for this? You, Jerry, you don't at all. I mean, we've we've people who have haven't even done the junior cert, um, but you know, a lot of people, in fairness, they have done the leading cert, some got degrees. And um, we do also have people who are who are returners. I mean, it is 18 plus. So people who who want to change their careers, who've been unemployed, be, be it their COVID or otherwise, and they now need to reskill. And and this is this is where we come in. And um, and to give you an idea, you know, uh, you know, up to 70 percent of the people who go through our program, um, they get into jobs that are paying anywhere between 28 and 32 thousand. You know, in terms of salary for entry level jobs, it's really great. Um, you know, in in the six months after the program, so this works. And I mean, to give you an idea, Jerry, um, we're a global charity, um, and we've supported over ninety five thousand people to date. Uh, and since we launched in Ireland, we've supported uh, nearly five hundred uh, you know people to date. So this works. There's no doubt that for the, for the northeast, this is a great great program to take part in. 
Um, I wish you well. Just give that address again where they can check out. Did you say ireland.generation.org? That's exactly right, Jerry. Okay. That's exactly right. The information, folks, is all there. Ireland.generation.org. All of the information is there for both of these modules. Joe, just back to you quickly before we finish. How many can you accommodate on each of the the programmes? Between 22 and 25. So in, in reality, we could have up to 50 people on, on the two courses themselves. Uh, and it, it, they are one of the reasons that we selected um, Generation was because of the high success rate uh, for people getting through the programme. And secondly, then the high success rate of people staying in job and uh, employment directly after the programme itself. So that was a significant factor for us in choosing Generation. Um, so, you know, the, the, the Drogheda Chamber here and the, uh, the M1 skill net, which is part of Drogheda Chamber, uh, was very keen on making sure this programme came to this area. But it is across the northeast. It is not just for Drogheda. It's for, you know, uh, Louth, Meath, uh, into Cavan, even into Monaghan. So, they, they, you know, we're, we're looking for people to apply uh, and we, we uh, wish them every success and, and hopefully that, that this is something that we can roll out again next year. I really like it because you're guaranteed, as uh, Ronan said there, placement afterwards and a very good entry level salary-wise into uh, companies that are going places as well. So the message today, it is for the North East and beyond. If you're listening to us anywhere today, uh, you can do these modules online from where you are and uh, it's a great opportunity for you if you are... A, at a loose end at the moment if you're looking for something different if you're back in the job application sphere this is for you ireland.generation.org wish you well Joe Lynch uh, manager with M1 Drogheda Chamber Skillnet and Ronan Harbison uh, thank you for joining me from Generation Ireland today great work with all those thousands and thousands of placements keep up the good work Thank you so much. Thank Thank you both for joining me on the show today that's it on late lunch for this Tuesday afternoon with those uh, Reskilling, upskilling jobs there. Uh, Eddie Caffrey's coming next with the drive here on LMFM Radio, and we are back tomorrow midweek, Wednesday, with your late lunch, and we'll be kicking off as usual after Budget Day with Miss Gail McAvoy, who knows it all from uh, a man and woman's perspective who are trying to do their best to get along with life, whatever your uh, stage of life is. That's it. Tuesday's over. Back Wednesday. See you then. Have a nice evening.